0: hello and welcome to the global luxury real estate mastermind with me your host michael valdez today i have a great great guest on it's someone who i just adore every time we get together it's nothing but laughter i have with us today the senior managing director of compass elizabeth Elizabeth, I'm so glad you are on the show. welcome, welcome, welcome. I always have a great time with you
1: I'm so excited to be here. I mean, I wish I was virtually physically with you right now but to get to be here virtually with you today is just I couldn't think of a better way to start my day.
0: oh listen you and I both and it's sort of you know you 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 become one of my my consellerias. is sort of like somebody that I always go to for advice, and your advice is always wonderful. So I'm actually very excited about having a conversation, talking about your story, your journey, and really just sharing some of your great lessons that you always share with me with a lot more listeners around the world.
1: Oh, it's going to be fun. I mean, what's nothing bad? I I, I always say to people, there's nothing I love more than talking about real estate. So
0: well listen so we're going to kick that right off you know you come from what is probably one of the most legendary you know real estate families here in New York City and you grew up in in that family and your mom is 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 legendary and you know it was probably inevitable that you got into real estate but can you just share with the listeners a little bit about your journey and how you actually did get involved with real estate
1: yeah, you know, it's, so, it's so funny. I did grow up seeing residential real estate around me my whole life. Uh, my father was on Wall Street, but very much was part of the opening of the company when I was a child with my mother. I mean, they were very much uh, partners in life and partners in intellect, um, and he was you know, my mother's greatest champion. So I, I watched the sort of business side of it, but also the real estate. And my whole life, people would come up to me and say, oh, one day when you're in real estate, I remember someone saying it to me at Stribbley once when I was about seven. Well, I'll work for you one day. And I just thought, no, no, you gotta work for me because I'm not going into real estate. I I very much felt as if I could not do that because I wanted to sort of forge my own path. I'm a very independent person. Um, I like to do what I do and I like to listen to other people, but I like to have my own sort of forge my own way. And I, uh, so I went to, when I went to college, I went to the College of the Holy Cross. I have a degree in uh, comparative world religion. I focused on modern Hinduism. And I actually, after college, went to San Francisco to become a chef. I wanted to be a food writer, so I went to uh, culinary school, which I did not end up wasn't, was not the place for me. So when I was out there, I decided to not continue culinary school. And I needed, I had a lease on an apartment and I needed to get a job. And it was right after the dot-com industry had busted and i called my mom and i said "You yeah, listen i don't really know what to do and she said to me listen i'll give you two pieces of advice one for five dollars you can buy a 20 pound bag of rice never forget that and two i know some people in real estate i can't get you a job but i'll make some introductions for you and i was like oh god i don't want to work in real estate but i have to pay the bills so i begrudgingly went to get a job in real estate. And so I got a job with one of the top brokers at uh, Pacific Union at the time, which is now Compass. And I started and like about an hour into it, I thought to myself, damn it, I really like this. (laughs) (laughs) Turned out, I really wanted, I thought that success meant that you had to do things in a different direction than your family. I didn't realize that success could be looking internally and figuring out what your what your positives were and what your natural inclinations were and running with that. And that was a really hard journey for me. Um, I thought that, you know, I, I thought that real estate was a backup. But what I really couldn't admit, and I finally admitted then, was it was never the backup. It was the star and the shining star. But I just, I needed to put on different colored glasses to see that.
0: You know, I, I love how you're looking at this so... Introspectively, because when you know in 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 the time that I've known you, and of course your reputation in the industry, it's it it really is legendary. It is that generational, it's almost real estate empire. When you start thinking about the stribbling name in New York City, it is um, it it equates. It, you immediately know what that brand means, and you know what your what your mom. So in fact, you know I remember meeting your mom for the first time. Remember it was that charity event that we were at with a mutual friend. And I hadn't seen um, you and your wife there yet. And so I look at this woman who's so elegantly dressed and I had to just go up to her and start talking to her. And she was returning the favor. She said, thank you for not wearing a boring tux. And so we end up sitting next to each other. And Then you come to the table and said, oh, you've met my mom. And so it was one of these things that we just gravitated and it was instant from then on. And so I love that it was that brand that brand that was created from the very start. But, you know, you, you're starting to look at it from a different perspective. And so I think that's what defined and created your own style. And you were starting to talk about that. It was the idea that you came to real estate, you realized that that was the shining star that was your destiny in your life, is, if you will. And so, but you were gonna do it differently because you had it a different, viewpoint and you went to california and you studied comparative religion and modern hinduism where did that come from that's amazing but your perspective is different how did you sort of carve out that own identity for yourself
1: you know i think it started my mother tells this great story about when i went to nursery school and she we showed up the first day and all the children were clinging to their parents and crying now oh, mommy don't go daddy don't go and I didn't say goodbye. I just walked in, marched in, found two kids, sat down, and I started playing with the blocks. And my mother says, you know, it was at that point she didn't know whether to have the be the proudest mom or cry, because one, I didn't say goodbye. But two, <laughs> I was three years old and I just like went off marching to like my own drum. And so nothing's it, changed.
0: <laughs>
1: but I think that where that comes from is I was always taught as a child that I could do whatever I wanted and be whatever I wanted. I grew up in a very disciplined house in a great way. Um, you know, there was rules and order, but at the same time, I was very much told that happy, you know, my parents' happiness was me being happy so that I was allowed to, no one pushed me to do real estate or do it in the way their style. I was given the choice to do it in my own manner. Um, and that's been a really wonderful thing so it's you know allowed me my mother has a very specific brand i'm not that brand but i am on, a, on the surface we look very different and we act very different in some ways but we believe that the company had one underlying principle and that was work hard and be honest and if you can make that go across every tenant of your business whether you're the principal owner of a company or you're an individual sole practitioner, or you're like a starting out as an assistant on a team, it doesn't really matter. But if you can make that be your guiding principle, no matter what it looks like on the outside, it'll shine through. And I think that was something that was very important to us at Stribbling. It was never, you know, at the end of the day, you're not a nonprofit, but you're also, you you, you do want to have revenue. Uh, but you never hired or did deals in the sacrifice of the long-term image um, and livelihood of the company. And that's something that I think has helped me, you know, we may develop, we had, there was an underlying style, but it just may have looked a little bit different on me than it looked on, on my mom.
0: And, you know, I just love the simplicity and the beauty of what that focus was of work hard and be honest. I mean, that's, those are life lessons. And to know that that was the basis of how you built that brand and that culture, it says a lot. I mean, you know, there there are very, very few companies that were uh, a boutique company that had the reputation and the longevity that you had and what was created. And that was something that was extraordinary. And so, you know, there was a lot of people that wanted stripling, that wanted the idea of acquiring that company, but you guys, remained a very, very strong competitor in the marketplace as your own brand, very independent until very recently. And your company was acquired by Compass. And my question is, uh, what was that sort of motivating factor first to join? And then on that sense of culture, how do you retain that with now a larger entity?
1: Yeah, I think that, you know, for years, people, everyone, we had, we had a lot, a lot of people asked us out on dates. Yeah. It's it's sort of the best way to put it. I mean, for decades, really. And we felt that one, we, you know, we had, we were a boutique company in some ways, and we were the 12th largest firm in terms of agent count, but we were third largest in terms of volume. I mean, that was pretty remarkable for a company our size doing a few billion dollars a year in sales. uh, And we were third largest in new development sales. So, We were like very much like the strong, the little strong and mighty. Um, You know, we were definitely David uh, versus Goliath. Um, But you know, for a long time, I was running the company with my mother, but primarily I was running the company for the last um, five years. I think that both of us, I'm very, um, very involved in the tech world. Um, I'm very involved in business is like a very interesting thing to me. I really follow what's going on, not only on a local level, but a national level uh, and a global level. I really follow the industry. Um, And I think what had happened was we just, we, many people came to us, but we just felt, you know, it's great. The offers are wonderful. And thank you for thinking we're so great. But we really felt that if we were going to make the decision to sell, it had to be um to the right person that we thought would continue our culture and we felt that the world of real estate and i think you can parlay this to a lot of industries um the train was leaving the station and there were a lot of other trains um leaving the station as well um, and if you wanted to keep up with them and i'm not talking just about other real estate brands i'm talking about tech firms i'm talking about different types of larger aggregators we're going talk about everything you could either put technology and heritage together and that train would go flying out of the station or you could keep doing what you could, were doing and be the local train. And I didn't want to be the local train anymore. I wanted the people who worked for me to have to be on the Acela. I wanted them to have every tool, every whistle, but at the same time, feel just as loved, just as supported um, as they did before. And for us, the no-brainer was Compass. I mean, I think that what is always just because a company is large doesn't mean that you can't retain this sort of really wonderful ethos and we felt this was a company that one really cared about the industry uh, but really cared about the people and i think you have to think what's the whatever field you're in you got to think to yourself what's the underlying motivation is my underlying motivation what my bonus is going to be or is my underlying motivation What's my bonus going to be in five or six or ten or twenty years? And I always look at it long term. I mean, what am I going to? What's? I think culture is predicated on, you know, a long term play. And I just felt at Compass that my agents were going to have all the support, both emotionally um, and and professionally. And it's, you know, listen, any merger that happens or any acquisition, they're going to be, you know, it's not going to be the easiest thing in the world, but we. It's worked out very well for everyone. So um, if you said to me, would I do it again? Yeah, I'd do it again in a hummingbird heartbeat.
0: <laughs> How quick is a hummingbird's heartbeat? Is it quick?
1: I think it is really quick. I know Katy Perry thing is <laughs> not And I also, so the joke is that uh, I, so I grew up in the city and I am like the worst person when it comes to nature things. You now I'm the person who calls a tree green or it's either a Christmas tree or green, but uh, so my wife and I have a house in the country and we have a hummingbird feeder and I've become obsessed with it. So the joke is that I'm a closet bird watcher, <laughs> especially hummingbirds.
0: <laughs> well, that's great. I still have to come up to the country house. It's gonna be, uh, it's gonna be fun. Um, so I have a, a question. What advice would you give somebody entering the business today? I know that the business obviously has changed dramatically from when you and I both entered. What advice would you give someone today?
1: Learn, 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 learn. And I think the biggest thing, no matter, I think it's really hard when you're new, when you don't know all the answers. I've been in this, I'm 41, I've been in this business. I I came right out of college into it, as we talked about earlier. I've been in this business for almost 20 years. I don't know the answers to a lot of questions my mother's been in the business for 50 years. She doesn't know the answer to questions. So I think that the first thing you need to do when you're brand new to the business is drop the act and drop the hubris and say, I don't know, but I will find out. And I think that if you use that as sort of your compass point, it'll take you a lot further in this business. People, if you give someone incorrect information, they're gonna be angry. And then they're not going to refer you and they're not going to work with you but if you just say hey you know what michael i don't know the answer but i'll get back to you it's going to take you a really long way i think that to me that's the simplest piece of advice that i was given in my career um and i think it's really really helped me and i say i said it I and mean, i say it every day to people
0: actually i love that one because it goes back to your culture of work hard and be honest because mm-hmm. you have to be transparent and in this world where information is so readily available to everyone a it just might be a test when a client is coming in and already has the answer and wants to hear your answer um and wants to see how you would react to a situation i mean i've i've been in those situations as well where someone is already knowing the answer and just wants to see what you'll say yeah. and you know it's so so it's true it's just the idea of learn 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 and you know it it, it is absolutely true you know my focus has always been in the global side of the business and listen it's a big world you you know you learn every single day so I love that piece of advice
1: you have to but I, mean, I think you know I start the day, I start every day off reading I, I don't read the full paper but I read a big chunk of about three papers I'm a very fast reader a voracious reader and um, I look at the headlines from around the world I mean one on an economic level I think it's really important you know what's going on 100%. Um, and it's not just looking at CNN or Fox, whatever you read. I mean, it's whatever you is. It's really delving into it. I mean, I look at, I look at a real myriad of different publications because I, I have to know, I have to know what my clients and my customers are doing and I have to know what's going to be the, what's going to be the greatest impact to it. So yeah, you do always have to be learning. It's just, it's so, so, so important. Um, so if you can do that and if you also, the other thing I think that take responsibility You know, yesterday I did something and I called the person up and I said, I am so sorry. I did something and I muddled it up. And I think if you take accountability and you take more accountability, it just makes you look like a more rounded person. And it looks like you're not just in it for the commission. You're in it. You know, we're selling and I'm talking specifically about about residential, but in some ways I think this can... Paul into um, you know some commercial deals as well. We're selling commodities at the end of the day, but they are emotional commodities, and and you have to remember that. And you have to—that's going to have. If you understand that, I think it's going to go a long way. Especially if you are work hard, be honest, you know, admit when you don't know things, but also admit your failures.
0: It becomes you become human. You're you're you actually are transparent at that point. Person absolutely and you know and we don't want to be a transactional broker you want to be an advisor mm-hmm. you want to be somebody who's there generationally
1: very very much so they so work with the greatest
0: so that was that was the greatest lesson to give somebody or the greatest advice to give somebody what's the greatest lesson you've ever learned in your career
1: oh i learned so many lessons every day <laughs> um, the, le- the greatest lesson I've learned is to listen. Um, I My my brain works. I, it's going in 18 directions at every time. And I've learned to listen and to read things fully. Uh, we're very quick. Um, it's very easy in a world of TikTok and of Instagram and of Twitter to really only take the first paragraph or something very small, digest that, and sort of make that fact. And if you aren't fully listening... And that also parlays to when you're speaking. So people will ask you or tell you a thing, a story or try to get your advice and you start formulating an answer before they've finished. And it took me a long time to stop doing that, to really listen and say, and to accept the awkward or what some people perceive to be the awkward pause afterwards. And to think about a very, very specific answer that was more helpful than just having an answer to fill the void. Um, and that I think is really important. If we actually listened and read things fully, we would save so much time and get to the root of problems and answers a lot faster.
0: I think you're getting back to your competitive modern religion. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but you're right. It is. It is just about that. You know. It's um, and, and and I think that that is the longevity that it, that allows us in this business, because this business moves so quickly and changes so much. I mean, think about what this business was when, when your mom started the company, Mm -hmm. right. And where it is now and what everything that changes in between. And the, I think that that's a great gift is to learn to listen. And that also is how people excel in a lot of ways, because there's a lot of lessons around us it's a great idea to be able to um, soak that up from everyone.
1: Yeah, very much so. I mean, I think it's, I don't, you know, it's it's like when you go to buy an apartment and the person says, I will only buy the one bedroom apartment with a fireplace facing north. And then you're out and if you're actually listening to them, all of a sudden you hear, well, I really like a south facing, you know, dining room. And that was never in the story to begin with. And they end up buying something that, they never thought they would, but you listened to them and you were able to guide them. And if you're just you're sort of babbling on just to fill the void, you're not going to hear that.
0: You know what? And, and that's a great lesson because sometimes the buyers don't know what they want because, you know, it, it's back to what you were saying. It's emotional. I'll know when I see it. Right. Yeah. And so sometimes they can't articulate it and so it has to be that journey sometimes you have to be the person guiding it and it's really in 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 us going back to that role of advisor and really saying to somebody if somebody says to you you know i want a three bedroom and i have a five million dollar budget and i want to be in the city i was like great why what's the what's the impetus why the three bedrooms you know how big is your family are you there because of school i mean you know there's a lot of qualifying questions behind that. And people will actually appreciate that because you're trying to help them find what's perfect for them. So it is that art of listening.
1: Very much so. It doesn't hurt to listen. You may learn something. It doesn't
0: hurt to listen. That's right. So, Elizabeth, you also, you know, you have a beautiful wife and, you know, you balance work and home pretty masterfully since I've known you. And tell me, how you've acquired that, how you've mastered that, because it's not an easy task. You know, you work very, very hard, but you also play very nicely as well. You know, last year, you and I were, uh, were in, the, in Europe together and we kept missing each other literally by days. And so we couldn't find each other, but, um, but you, know, it's, you know, you enjoy your life. And tell me how you've created that balance for yourself.
1: I mean, honestly it's boundaries I mean, if my wife is not actually here right now but if she was here in the other room listening i could see her running out here being like boundaries what boundaries do you have <laughs> <laughs> that, 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 that that's that the case but you no, know, I, I do have boundaries you know i believe i do you know i check my phone constantly i do work in that sense but i also believe you have to take time for yourself um you have to be able to disconnect in whatever that manner is i have a I have a thing that, so when I, when we were in sort of non COVID world and I commuted every day, um, I did the New York times crossword puzzle every morning on the way to work. Mm-hmm. I didn't check my email on the way to work. It was like, I knew that's what I did. It was, you know, like 20 to 25 minutes. Um, and that just set me up for my own time. And I do that even during COVID, I take 20 minutes every day from usually two to two 20. Um, I do the crossword puzzle. I do, I read, and I know it's in the middle of the day, but I have to, you know, I think especially with this world of zoom, we have less time now because people know you're not moving between physical spaces. So I make a point, you know, I do travel. Travel is my passion. Um, I love, you know, I love Asia and I love Australia. So we try to take a big trip every year. And my mother did that when I was growing up and I just learned that you have to do that. One of uh, my my sales manager when I was an agent, Ken Chef, who still works at Compass, um, he used to tell the story about one of his brokers who was one of the top brokers in New York, but every Wednesday went to a matinee and it was their time because they worked seven days a week and said, no matter what, take the time. And I really remembered that. And I tell my agents that all the time, you know, when I, I, I'm I someone who stays at the office quite late often because I, you know, working on whatever it might be. But sometimes I see other people there and I say to them, are you here for yourself? or Are you here for other people to think you're working late? Because it's really important to remember that you're gonna, one, you're gonna burn out. Um, mm-hmm. And two, maybe think about how you're using your time. I mean, if I if you're a real estate broker who's sitting in the office every night until nine o'clock, I don't like that. I think you should be out there every night, whether it's at a charity, no, no, again, I'm talking in a non-COVID world, okay? Of course. Um, Yeah, so you should be out there, you know, doing something in your community or you know having a drink at the hotel bar and meeting the people you know or meeting you know people who might be looking for a house or going to a charity event or playing golf or whatever it might be or spending time with your family because as much as you can get work done you're never going to expand your sphere of if you're sitting in the office all the
0: time you know and 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 it seems like an obvious lesson but it's very true Our business is all about people. Mm -hmm. And unless you're out there meeting people, your business will simply not expand. It is the idea that people need to see you out. And obviously, you do need to have the work ethic. And it goes back to what we've said a few times in this interview already of work hard and be honest. But it's that second part. Be honest with yourself as well. It's the idea of what is your why. Why are you there at 9 p.m.? If it really is to get a deal out, fantastic. If it's just to let, you know, my boss who's here too, see that I'm here just as late as she is, that's not a good answer.
1: Yeah, I mean it's so funny, like my wife Rebecca old joke that we've never gone anywhere in the world where I haven't made a friend. I mean I have friends all over and I've often met them at hotels we stayed in. And I, you know, I've I've met people that I'm I i do not personally sell myself, my agents do, but I've literally brought in so many deals from sitting, you know, at, a, at sitting at the pool on a remote island in northwestern <laughs> Northeastern Australia. I mean, it's, she's like, she, she always says to me, she goes, one, you have a remarkable skill to talk to anybody. But two, somehow they seek you out. And I'm like, I don't know, Rebecca, but it's, you know, I'm, I realize that it's all about, you know, you have to You have to listen to what people are saying. And ultimately, when you listen, there's a point in which you can connect to them and create a meaningful relationship.
0: Well, again, that's what it is, right? It's all about connection all day long. That's all it is. Um, And so, you know, and and, and it's almost to that point with, with my next question you mentor a lot of people as well because you you know you're invested in other people's success you really genuinely want to see people succeed and i've seen that with you over the years i think it's one of your most beautiful qualities tell me about that mentorship tell me why that's important to you i'd love to just sort of you know hear your thoughts on that a bit you know i mean
1: i think selfishly i get a lot out of it i mean i i often say to people i think that the uh, the mentor may get more from the mentee than the other way around. Right. Um, because, you know, it's sort of the older you get, maybe the more stagnant you get, and the less you, the less you're growing. I don't know. That's sort of a, that's sort of a misnomer, I guess, but that I'm coming up with, but yeah, you do learn a lot. I, you know, people have been really generous to me with their time throughout my life and my career. And I felt that if I can make Someone's business grow a little bit on a personal level or professional level. You know, nothing would make me happier. I mean, I many people are actually older than me, but I, I look at them in some ways like my business children, right? Um, I get a ton out of it. I learn so much, and the joy I see when I watch people's business grow—it's it, just immeasurable. Uh, and often it's so funny. I don't even realize sometimes. that, You know, people call it mentoring, and yeah, I guess I'm mentoring you. I I, I sort of just see it as a, you know, a weekly conversation for personal growth and professional growth. Um, You know, I don't have a set way of doing it. I believe it's really important. You know, I can't tell you, I'm going to mentor you and tell you these are the five things that are going to make you a stronger broker, but I can talk about my experiences and I can talk about, try to guide you through your experiences uh, and just let you become more comfortable talking about what you're doing. So it's really important to me. I think that it's really important to ask too for help. Uh, I said to someone the other day, I said, you know, we're in this like beautiful world of LinkedIn and Instagram. And people reach out to me a lot on Instagram and send me messages. And I actually always respond um, if you with business questions or, you know, could I pick your brain for 10 minutes? And the answer is yes. If you, I mean, I have to, it, it, to fit, fit into my schedule, but I'll definitely do it. Uh, and if I can't help you, I'll find someone who will, but I think that what we can only hope for is, again, it goes back to, you know, sort of not, it's not a personal legacy, but it's a, and I mean by this, a sort of industry legacy. I love this industry so much. I just want it to be better and bigger, more respected, et cetera. And if that's what we can impart our wisdom on other people in it, and that just continues, I think it's a great, it's, it's a great path.
0: I love that. And don't jump ahead in my questions because something's coming up related to that. <laughs> so if you, and I think you, you mentioned a little bit in the beginning of it for my next question as how you started in your career and, and exploration, which I found fascinating. But if you were not doing real estate, what would you be doing?
1: Okay, well, there are two ways <laughs> to answer this question. If it was like I had all the talents in the world that I don't have and it was like, I don't know the dream world. I would be a rock and roll star. Like, I definitely want to be like a super guitarist and that's what I'd be doing. Now, none of the, I do not have that capability. So that, that, that that's the dream job. Um, that's not possible. If I wasn't doing this, I would probably be in some type of um, finance um, in the sense of probably a distressed asset um, fund. And that's really, really interesting to me. Um, I just find it. My father was, uh, my father was in a, bought transportation companies and rehab them and sold them. So that was just something that, you know, and kept these really incredible companies sort of family legacy companies intact. Um, and I love that. So that was something that, that would be something that I probably was, would be doing. Um, I was talking actually to a friend last night who's uh, talking about a fundraise that they were doing. And I just, that would be really, really interesting to me. Um, but it probably would be distressed real estate assets.
0: So distressed assets in finance or a rock star. I like it. (laughs) That's why you're so complex. I love that about you. And so my last question is something that you were starting to uh, respond to with the question on mentorship. But it's a question that I like to ask um, a lot of my guests, especially those that are that are dear friends of mine. But what would you like your legacy to be?
1: that I was a good person. That's, that's really what I want. That I was a kind and good person. Uh, You can remember me for my business and that's fine. At the end of the day, that's not what I want to be remembered for. Um, I want to be remembered as someone who just in life was a good person. I mean, I think that, you know, there's a great song by Tracy Chapman and it, It, it's what it says that all that you have is your soul. And, and I re I really believe that. I mean, in the most simplest, simplest way. Um, you know i I've tried to be a very good person. Um I care about a lot of people. Um, and I think that's what that's the most important thing to me. And if the business is good along the way, that's even better. Um, but I think it's just really important to have a clear heart.
0: And let me tell you, you've certainly have achieved that already then you are an incredibly good person you're a great friend to me you're an incredible mentor and leader in our industry and i just adore you you know that and i love you i love rebecca i love your mom i love sort of like hanging out with you guys and i really thank you for your time today on the show elizabeth it's it was a great conversation i always love hanging out and just chatting with you
1: it was so fun my you know i it just—it sets the tone for the day for me. That <laughs> it's so wonderful to be surrounded by great people. Talk about uh, everything I love, and I wish I could know every one of the people who's going to listen to it. Um, but I hope that you know—I can only imagine what wonderful people they are because they're listening to you. So.
0: Oh, you're such a. Yeah, sweet gonna
1: be real high.
0: <laughs> oh, Elizabeth dribbling, Kiblin, thank you so very much again. Hey, Michael. And thank you all of you for listening. This has been the Global Luxury Real Estate Mastermind with me, your host, Michael Valdez. I remind you to visit our website at www.glrem.com. Thank you once again. Bye-bye for now.